welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. I'm trying to stop my hands from playing with shit while I do this, because that's just like a compulsive thing I do. Anyways, and I'm still trying to do it. God damn it. Episode number 62. The guest this week is Greg Harbour. He is a professional skateboarder and uh, also a fan of the independent music. More on him in a minute. Propertyofzack.com. Go visit them for all of the latest and greatest and all of the new happenings that are going on within our music scene. Uh, There's a lot of Warped Tour coverage currently. Just recently kicked off, so you should check it out. Propertyofzack.com. Another order of business, review the show. Go to iTunes. You can find the show pretty easily. And uh, if you feel so kind, type some sentences about it. If you want to drop some stars on there, that would be spectacular. Man, you guys have been kicking ass recently. People have been leaving very, very kind comments. And uh, yeah, not like I expect kind comments. I like also other comments, constructive criticism, such as a person who recently left in regards to Skype conversations. He's like, yeah, I could do without those. But he understood the point. That I appreciate because I'm like, okay. I, I want to try to continue to make this audio better for everybody. That way, it's like a clear conversation. You can tell what's happening, whatever. So anyways, I really appreciate that. Uh, you can also uh, go to the website, which is 100wordspodcast.com. And uh, yeah, I recommend stuff throughout the week. You know, fun music, movies, that type of stuff. Uh, because of people, people seem to enjoy that. The the blog seems to be getting a following, and that's awesome. One other thing I want to talk about, and then we have our cultural critic, Mr. Scott Arnold, who uh, combs the internet for all of the amazing, awesome stuff that you should be getting into. Obviously, doing a podcast, I listen to a shitload of other podcasts. I've been getting a lot of random emails and tweets and stuff like that recently in regards to people being like, oh man, I wish it was a little more conversational. I wish you weren't as structured in your conversations as you are. Because obviously, if you've listened to like, you know, five or six episodes, you see the main points I kind of hit on. And I, I don't want to make that a rigid thing that I do, but there are certain moments in people's lives that are, you know, kind of more telling than others. And obviously, we kind of go off tangents based off that fact. Um, because I don't want this to be total bullshit hour. Um, even though, obviously, at the end of the day, this is total bullshit because it's a podcast. And what the fuck does that matter? But the idea of being able to kind of, you know, get a true sense of why the person creates what they do. Um, because sometimes I feel like a lot of the shows that I listen to that I love sometimes don't really delve into anything like at all. It's just basically people hanging out in a room, which isn't necessarily bad, but there's certain people and I'm going to call one thing out uh, and this isn't necessarily bad, but this is just something that I wanted a little more out of the show. Uh, the Nerdist podcast, which is a massively successful podcast and all of the people on it are incredibly talented. That's, that's like my caveat. Uh, but they interviewed Josh Holm from Queens of the Stone Age. And, uh, you know, I could tell that he himself wasn't really interested in diving into a bunch of stuff. But, yeah, like I, I felt like I had to listen to 40 minutes of the conversation of t- total BS, um, which is fine up to a point. But, you know, there's certain expectations you as a listener come into a show. Anyways, that being said, I want to make sure that you, the listener, are getting something that you want out of this show, i.e. some sort of structure. So that's kind of where I am coming from. Because if I was coming at it from the standpoint of like, 
hey, tell me the most recent movie you saw, and that's awesome, that's really cool, this movie stars great, how about that thing, that book you read, blah, blah, blah. There's elements of that, obviously, but the guest is usually interested in kind of, you know, going through their life, because essentially this isn't a type of show that really focuses on those other pop culture things. Anyways, I just want to get that off my chest. It's something that a lot of people have been talking to me about recently, and I wanted to get that out there to the general listener, public viewer, whatever you want to call yourself. I'd like to call you just a friend, because after all, this this show is friendly, and I want to be friendly with you if I haven't spoken to you already. Anyways, on that I will toss it over to our cultural correspondent. Scott and I sat down and we talked about some fun stuff that he uh, found on the internet and I think you should be into. So here it is. So what what have you combed the internet for? Hello, this is Scott. <laughs> Reintroducing myself. Yeah, I have three recommendations for you today. All right, bring it to me. So my first recommendation is a company called Gustin, G-U-S-T-I-N. Okay. And the idea behind Gustin is that they are a premium menswear company. Okay. Um, making jeans and stuff. So the idea is that not unlike Kickstarter, they take pre-orders for a new product. They'll only make it if they get X amount of orders. What they tell me is that they are like $200 jeans for $80. Yeah, it's we are gustin.com, but they spell R A R. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry, where gustin.com. <laughs> I just noticed that too. I'm like, no, no, that's where. <laughs> oh, that's where they spelled their domain wrong. <laughs> so I just ordered a pair, and so far I'm impressed. You are wearing them currently, or you are waiting for them to be fulfilled? Waiting for them to be fulfilled. So I haven't got the product yet, but so far the purchasing experience has been highly recommended. Interesting. Yeah, and this this is to me this looks like the whole sort of raw denim fad that's happening currently, where you have to wash your jeans in a bathtub while yes. you, while you're wearing them. Yes, are you are you legitimately going to do that? Oh, I've done it. Really? Yeah. I'm just wondering how that experience is. Oh, I didn't wash them in a bathtub. The idea is that you buy the jeans, you wear them as is for up to. I wore mine for six months before washing them, mm-hmm. and because they're raw. There's no wear or breakage in any of the denim yet. So by wearing them for six months, you do it specifically to your body and the way that you sit and the way that you move. Once you do wash them, it kind of solidifies those. The contours of your body. Yeah. So they're your jeans. And I think relatively speaking, raw denim is a little more expensive, correct? It's more in the 200-ish dollar range? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I I am a large advocate of jeans that work because I always used to... I didn't wear jeans up until, like, fucking college. Like, I just always wore khakis throughout my my high school career. But then when I got jeans, I thought the whole, you know, hey, I just need some cheap jeans. And how they make you feel like what you paid for them, which is, like, 20 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So I, once I started to buy the, you know, diesel and, obviously, premium jeans, even though I was spending more money, I felt good about it because I could wear it, like, like you said, you could wear it for a longer period of time and it doesn't, you know, look like a piece of shit on you. You, if you're buying something that you're kind of committing to wear for six months without washing, you yeah better to buy nice. Sure, sure, interesting. Yeah. Well, I may I, I may dive into the uh, raw denim then. We'll see we'll see how it goes. Yeah, no reason not to. Okay, I recommend. All right. Well, I, I, lo- I look forward to uh, hearing how this experience is. Yeah, I'll definitely come back for an update. Okay. So, uh, and then what, you have something else you said. I have two other things. Oh, spectacular. 
The second one is an application for okay. the iPhone. Okay. Um, I believe I told you about this yesterday. It's called Tall Chess. Yes. Pretty simple. The chess game that you can play with other people. And it's not unlike that game Letterpress. Mm-hmm. Very visually similar. But as you know, I'm a big chess fan. Yep. And this is the best chess game I've found to play with other people. Yeah, it seems it seems fun. Easy. Yeah. I, I noticed that you still haven't played with me yet. No, I've, I did one move, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get around to it. Chess is a game of many moves. So. I, <laughs> I, re- I realize that, so I, I, will, I will dive into that. Okay. My final recommendation is a little personal. I have been battling nose hairs for a long time. You know, the hairs that stick out of your nose. I, <laughs> nose hairs is pretty self-explanatory, but I appreciate the deep dive into what that actually is. Yeah, so for a while I would just pluck them. I mean, it's not out of control. Let's not paint that picture. Yeah. But it's something that I've always had to manage. Okay. And sometimes I would pluck them until my eyes would water, and that wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. And then once in a while, I'd go to the haircut place, and they'd put wax in your nose, and that wasn't particularly fun either. Mm-hmm. So I went to my friends on Badger and Blade, shout out, and I wanted to see what everyone was using. And they recommended something called the Groommate Platinum XL. Hoo-hoo! I love the sounds be- of it. Yeah, it's only $20 on Amazon, and it's awesome. It's about three inches long. It's metal. The idea is that it's like a pencil okay. with a rotating tip that you stick in your nose, and then it just grabs the hair and cuts them instead of pulling them. Granted, I've never compared our body hair problems. And I, I have a little nose hair. Only the past year I've ever noticed it. But I've used, I, I think I've used something that's similar, and it, it's a nice experience. Yeah, it, you only have to do it like once a month. Mm-hmm. And it's gone. Yeah, keep your shit trimmed, right? Right. There's no reason not to. No, you don't want to. You don't want to look like a cretin. Take care of yourself. Right. Don't give up. I think that's what you're supposed to do when you're like 70, and that's when you can grow whatever you want. That's right. Scott's always full of great information. Anyways, Greg Harbor. I randomly found him uh, on some random skate blog. I don't pretend that I'm a skater. You'll come to hear in the interview that we do. I am so interested in that culture. And anytime I run across a person who is kind of, you know, not the sort of mega millionaire star, like, you know, Tony Hawk, you know, Mike Vallely, that type of stuff. And when I use millionaire, I don't even mean that in the literal sense. I mean that just they are very notable for their industry, even though Tony Hawk clearly is a millionaire. I always like to get the people that are kind of on the rise, like because obviously they're still, quote unquote, accessible. It's easy for me to contact them and be like, hey, are you interested in doing this show? And so Greg is a perfect example of that. And what excited me to talk to him, besides the fact that he is a professional skater, is the fact that he is kind of on the rise. And he also is a big fan of independent music. One of the pictures I saw he had a patch on his jacket that said Vitamin X, which is an old, well, not even old, but a hardcore band that, you know, not exactly very many people know about. So I saw that and I was like, that dude seems to know what's up. So I hit him up. He said, let's talk. And uh, this is exactly what happened. So here's Greg Harbour, professional skateboarder. Skate, skating for me has always been one of those things where it's like just because I've been involved in I mean just as you have been involved in like punk and hardcore for a long time and the, I mean I've just always been terrible at skating but it's one of those things where it's like <laughs> looking at how both of the cultures travel completely side by side 
one another. Absolutely. It's just always a culture I've always respected and I've always wanted to talk to a person that such as yourself, where it's like, you know, you're not just this random startup skater. It's like, you know, you're established, like, you know, you're on videos, you know what's up, but you're not so far removed where it's like, you're this, you know, you're just like a public figure, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, you're in that, you're in that good middle ground where it's like, you're, you're still on the rise, you're, you're doing it. Um, but you're not this like mythical creature where it's just like, oh yeah, well like, you know, Andrew Reynolds, like who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, I feel that I'm in the fully interacting in the real world so well, where I have like a, I have a, it's not a, really a nine to five job, but I work at a place and also I'm still traveling for skating. I'm part of like the best company in the world. The dude treats me so well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I try to get the best of both worlds. I, the company I wrote for before, we did a lot more touring, which was great. It was awesome, but man, it was broke all the time. Which it's it fun going on the road, like doing demos. But man, it's nice to be able to like slow down just a little bit and hang out where I live and like get to know people a lot more, and then go on trips. Yeah, I yeah. love I love that you recognize that because it's so. Uh... You know, I mean, I would equate touring with a skate company and doing demos and stuff like that pretty much the exact same way as a band tours, where it's like, you know, you travel to a van. Absolutely, because you leave and you fully, like, lose everything you had at home for a little bit, which is, I mean, it's that's all right. I definitely don't mind doing it, but sometimes you come back and there's just nothing, and it's you're like, what the hell just happened? Like, <laughs> you get, you get back, everyone's doing different shit, and you're like, man, what Like, what did I do? Like, what did I miss? <laughs> right, right. And there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's just two separate worlds. It's like a lot of people, uh, people that have never spent time on the road in some capacity, they, they view touring as like, oh, dude, it's just like a vacation. And yeah, elements of it are, but at, this, at the same time, it's like, you're removed from reality. You're in this whole altered, yeah. alternate universe. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, I think that's one of the hardest things to portray, which, I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's fun. It's a whole other world you're part of, but you're not in the real world. You're not, like, a, you're not, it's just, you're not a functioning human. No, you're, you're doing something. You're working for some sort of goal. It's crazy. I was, I was just talking about this last week. The, uh, did you ever listen to the band Modern Life is War? Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, Jeff, the lead singer, he, they're actually they're recording a new record. He came through uh, Chicago, and him and I went skating, and it was awesome. He's the best dude. And uh, we, like, that night we were hanging out eating some food, and he was talking about that, and we like, discussed like, how crazy it is to like, leave and come back and realize, wow, like, I missed out on a whole month of real life, and so much has changed, and I've only been gone for a month. Like, insane. Like, to think about that and then to experience it is, I think, a very different thing. It's when you experience it, definitely, like, it, it's an event. It's cool. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's, it's cool, that, like I said, it's cool that you recognize that there are two separate worlds, and... You, I think everyone just tries to find a balance between those both where it's just like, yeah, I like experiencing this, but then I also like experiencing, like you said, being at home and sort of the quote unquote real life stuff because it balances you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So where were you uh, born and raised? Where did you uh, where where'd you come up? All right. Born and raised. I was born in Beverly, Massachusetts. Okay. And I live in the Northeast between New Hampshire and Massachusetts until I was in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to lovely Fort Collins, Colorado. It's like an hour north of Denver. When you were born, like, so brothers and sisters, what was the family structure like? Um, two. Uh, my parents are still together, and then my uh, sister. So there's, I have one sister, then parents. And yeah, it was, it was cool. Like, uh, definitely got aggro there for a bit once I moved to uh, Colorado. But, I mean, I think you become a teenager, you start to see, like, weird shit going on, and you mm-hmm. either choose to accept it or choose to kind of go a different route. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't worry. We'll get, we'll get to that. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, and so what did your, uh, what did your parents do? Um, Jeff, my dad, he looks like Hewlett Packard. He still does. He has forever. It's, uh, I'm still not 100% sure what he does, but I know <laughs> he basically manages the efficiency okay. of the company. And he survived. Like I know they've had like, a ton of layoffs, but he survived all those. It's, he definitely works hard at what he does. Yeah. But he's also an extremely anal person, which is uh, it's perfect kind of for funny, his but... perfect for his job. Obviously. Oh my god! Ideal. It's crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Is it, he is he based out of? Is he in Colorado or? Yeah, yeah. He's Got based it. in Fort Collins. He does all that stuff. And then uh, my mom is a teacher. She actually runs a, a, a ESL, like English as a Second Language program. Mm-hmm. She is killing with that. She's done a ton for all the kids out there. That's awesome. Two two things on that. It's nice to hear when you actually say that, oh, my parents are still together. It's so funny because everybody that says it like that, they use the word still because that's not common. Like, yeah, it's it's nuts. And so yeah. it's, it's just funny when you're like, oh, yeah, my parents are still together. And like that's that. That quantifier is a thing. You have to say that where it's like, oh, wow, shit. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because uh, that's one of the first questions I feel like I get asked whenever I talk to people about my parents. Yeah. That is, yeah, they're like, oh, they're still together. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, they're good. They're good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. And you, is your sister younger or older? She's two years older than me. She actually just moved out to Chicago in uh, January. I told her, like, I come out here, hang out. There's tons going on. And she uh actually living in my living room right now. Oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah. So obviously, her, you, you guys her have, dog just came out, so she's stoked. That's awesome. So you guys have a good relationship. Oh yeah, she's she's great. She's awesome. Well, it's, yeah. it's, it, it sounds like you had obviously a pretty uh, solid childhood in the sense of uh, you know your your family got along, and I mean obviously I'm sure there's your uh, the blow ups when you were you know a teenager and <laughs> yeah. figuring out exactly who you were. And so when did you uh, you know like your high school experience was it one of those things? That's when sort of music and skating started to open up to you, um, and then that's kind of yeah. when the, the aggro years started, as you put it? Yeah, the I would say I was in Colorado. I would have been 14 years old, and I was I wasn't really like didn't really know what I was doing. I went to a friend's birthday party when I was in sixth grade, so like 12 or 13 then or something like that, and mm-hmm. uh, he had a bunch of skateboards over there, and everyone was rolling around. I remember skating at a birthday party and being like, wow, that was really fun. Like, I really enjoyed that. And then got a skateboard. I would have been like late. It would have been when I was 13 years old. I didn't really use it that much. Just kind of let it sit around. Mm-hmm. And then 14 hit. And at this point, like when I was 13 years old, all these people are like burning these CDs because that's when everyone starts to get cool and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember people like one of my best friends at the time trying to get me into ICP and being like, oh, I don't really like this so much. Like <laughs> another friend was like, oh man, you got to listen to those weird like. Uh, dubstep type stuff and all this weird dance music. I remember just listening to those and being like, ah, that's not that good. But he gave me a Left and Jake CD and I was like, all right, this is like more in the direction that I'm going. And then I heard the Dead Kennedys and Minor Threat and Black Flag. I think I listened to, uh, I remember driving around in the backseat of my buddy Chris's car and his sister listening to Screeching Weasel and being so stoked about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, and then it was basically when that happened, I st- there's a guy up the street from my house named Brian and a kid that lived behind me named Nick. And they both skated, and they both listened to punk, and it was just like all at the same time. It, I definitely was like skating a little bit beforehand, but music and punk definitely was like pretty much the same time. I would imagine, because like I, I, you know, referencing what I was talking about earlier in regards to, you know, I've always admired the skate culture, but have never, you know, I've 
I've been familiar with skaters and whatever, but I've never dove in. I can only imagine the amount of input that you were receiving because you were diving into two separate subcultures. Like <laughs> you had to get familiar with the skate yeah. culture and you had to, you know, soak in a lot of bands. Was it just one of those things that you're just so overwhelmed with cool shit? Yeah, I was definitely psyched out of my mind. <laughs> There's so much going on right now. Oh my God. Yeah, it was it definitely uh, hit me by the gigantic wave. It's just like, Oh, skateboarding, here's all the stuff, here's all the skaters you should look up to. Oh my god, like watch Dwayne Peters skate, watch Matt Hensley skate, holy shit, like look what whatever's doing now and then punk rock, where it's like, Oh my god, the unseen, the casualties, they're all playing tonight, like yeah. uh Agnostic Sun just came through, like, Oh my god, we're we're all going, like TSL just played, what the hell? Like it was insane. It was just nuts when when you all when you become aware of it, right. it's the coolest thing ever. I mean it still is, but it's when you're a kid it's just so like it's, you're so bright-eyed about it, and it's so fun to experience. Oh, for sure, for sure. And so did you, uh, as you were going through high school, um, you know, did you, well, for one, did you care about it? Did you, you know, uh, quote-unquote, apply yourself, and did you, uh, you know, try to try to get through it? Um, or did you oh, did you just yeah, just, that... just hate it and try to just do as little as you possibly could? I got through it, but I did as little as possible. I, I hated high school, like, and... It wasn't until, like, my senior year of high school that skateboarding really became, like, okay. Mm-hmm. People were, like, all right with it. But, I mean, definitely got shoved around a lot. Like, definitely got yelled at. Teachers weren't cool. I had a guidance counselor tell me collagen for everyone. Like, I fucking hated it. It was miserable. <laughs> Dude, um, any, anytime you hear someone say, like, a a person who is supposed to mold people's futures, I mean, on one hand, I appreciate their honesty, but on the other hand, you're just like, fuck like tell me something different like other than like you're not you're not worth it why don't you just go why don't you just go you know like work at the local mcdonald's or something yeah it was like you know what i see what you're doing now and you should really think about a different career you know being an electrician is a really great job it's like fuck off man like (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean it was definitely this whole like obviously within school there's like a lot of bureaucracy and there's a lot of bullshit you got to deal with Mm-hmm. I think I was like, why the fuck am I here? This is so boring. Everyone here hates me. Why am I learning how to like interact with all these people? And that's when all that was going on. That's when my parents were like, "Well, you don't fit in, and that's your fault." I remember the first time I got caught by the cops skating, just being screamed at. This dude calling me a faggot, like all this stuff. And then my parents coming and picking me up, and my dad just like being like, "You know what? Like, you need to chill out. This is all your fault." And I, me being like. I was rolling on a skateboard, like literally wasn't doing tricks. I was hanging out like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, this is fucking bullshit. And then such a bad interaction. When I was younger, he definitely wanted me to be a cop as well, which was the complete enemy when I was a kid. So Your your dad wanted you to be a policeman? Yeah, my aunt and uncle, they're like, they're very cool people. Mm -hmm. They're both uh, state troopers. My aunt works in New Hampshire. My uncle was in Massachusetts. Okay. And, uh. I remember him telling me like you would make a great police officer and just being like you don't you don't get it, like I can't stand the police. And I was uh, really involved with Amnesty International when I was in high school. Uh-huh. So I mean, I was constantly reading about like negative shit that the cops that like the police were doing and all that stuff and then being like, I I don't want to be involved with it and then on top of that, having interaction with every day through skateboarding of just like being sat down and asking like, Why are you doing this? Like, where are your drugs at? Just like Oh man, we're just skateboarding. Like, that's literally all we're doing. 
Yeah. That's so interesting to me because it's like you had so many different influences in regards to that because obviously you had your family who were like yeah they're cool and like they're cops but then you had all these other inputs of i mean obviously you can see that whatever is being presented to you from a sort of left-wing slant of like oh yeah police brutality you have to take some of those things with a grain of salt but it's like combining yeah combining that all in your head to be like well, I know I don't want to be a cop, but these people are nice and my dad's pressuring me. Like, because, you know, if you didn't have your family involved, I'm sure it would have been even easier for you to be like, oh, like there's no way. You know, maybe in the back of your mind, it was just like, well, they're still all right people. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I remember just being like, yeah, him telling me that. And I mean, my aunt and uncle interacting with them is, was great. And also, I feel like I had a little bit of a edge on that. My aunt, she had a hard man. She was in the conservative area in New Hampshire, like, she's a lesbian, like, mm-hmm. her lover's name is Mojo. God, she's hilarious. I mean, she, I can't even imagine, like, the sort of barrier that she had to overcome. And then, yeah, I get someone like that, and then I get these fucking small-town cops in Fort Collins just being complete dicks to you and just being like, like, how is my aunt so awesome? Yeah. And then I talk to these guys over here, and they're just raging fucking assholes. Like, yeah, definitely... It was funny putting that together. <laughs> yeah, and, and then I have to look at it also from like a teacher's perspective too because it's like you have to uh, – you know, the, obviously everybody in their life runs into that one or two teachers that totally impact their life and influence them and are just For like, wow, sure. they get it. But then obviously on the flip side, there's like – you know, three or four teachers that they can put that you can point to in your life that are like the fucking worst. And it's like, you can easily make that equation to basically anybody in authority. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, you, you started to uh, get into all these things and your parents obviously just didn't understand what it was that you were doing. Um, and so, yeah. so basically, I would imagine for a good majority of high school, it was just a constant battle of you trying to figure out how to do these things without letting your parents know <laughs> yeah basically sneaking out a ton staying at uh, my buddy uh, mark's house is basically like the punk house in town mm. and then yeah just going to shows skateboarding i did like it's funny that you say teacher it's one of my teachers she used to uh, date joe the author <laughs> so <laughs> i had Shit, that's amazing oh my god she's the best like she i feel like talk there um like I send like Facebook messages letting her know when I'm back in town. Uh-huh. But she is like the nicest woman, and I mean to have someone like that in your life as well. Because I was I was pretty over high school at one point where I was like I'm leaving, I'm dropping out, I'm over this. Mm. And she saw me like walk in, and, and she just like let me know like Oh hey, how you doing? How's your day going? And then started talking with her, and I was like Yeah, I need to drop out. I really don't like this place. This is terrible. Her's kind of being like You know what? Just stick it through. Like you got this. Like it sucks right now, but I promise you afterwards you won't regret it definitely a uh, a positive influence in my life you always need that person to just that you trust and that can kind of push you over the edge of whatever difficulty you're going through just to be like no I, you know i should graduate high school i get it <laughs> yeah no ab- absolutely that push definitely that means a lot too it's so helpful when you're a kid when did you graduate high school like what years were that that you were in high school when i graduated in school Okay. Oh, man, it's so long ago. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me, personally, just like I said, as an outsider to the skate culture, I mean, obviously, it's become mainstream. Like, skateboarding is not... It's, it's still a subculture, but it's so much more accepted than it was, you know, 10, 15, oh. 20 years ago, as we know. Absolutely, yeah. Because around that time, like, you know, I mean, I, I can't remember when <laughs> Tony Hawk Pro Skater came out, but obviously that took... Oh, the, I mean, that... To me, that's like such a dividing line of 
when people purchased that game, started to become familiar with like who those pro skaters were in there. And then obviously the influx of kids that attempted skating after they watched it um, or after they played it. Um, Cause I, I want to say that came around to like 97, 98, maybe. Um, and yeah. so do were you know, as you, as you were skating during that time, did you notice this huge sea change from that perspective? It was insane. I mean, Tony Hawk had like it was, I got into skating it was basically in two thousand was when I really like got going with him. Right. And yeah, I mean I remember talking to the guys that like got me into skating, they were older, and those guys just being like, Man, like mentioning how Tony Hawk really changed everything. So I mean, that was like the ambassador for skateboarders, like that game was because people come up to you and be like, Oh, do you have to play Tony Hawk? And that was their way to relate to you, you know? Right. And it definitely made it more acceptable and more accessible for the mainstream to really like understand it a little bit more where because like they played the game and they beat it and then they watched a skate video at the end of it essentially right and that was i think that really did it changed a lot of people's attitude but then on top of that i think initially it started like making it a touch more friendly and then you get people driving by just like screaming for you to do benny hanas all day as well you get the other side of it so that was always a good time. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You, I mean, anytime you introduce a uh, you know subculture to the influence of the mainstream and where people, you know, basically once once people can figure out a way to potentially make money off something that they didn't know they could make money off of before, then obviously it's you know you're going to see a rush of you know skateboard companies and clothing companies being like, yeah, let's capitalize on this quote unquote skate market. Yeah. Exactly. To me, it seems like in all the you know skate documentaries and stuff like that that I've watched, it obviously focuses on the origins of skateboarding. But then I I'm really interested in like ten years from now when they do some you know some other look back documentary if they're able to point to that video game being like, hey, this was like a huge cultural touchstone <laughs> in the skate culture. Yeah, no, it, absolutely. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with skateboarding in the next ten years because I mean it's all it's like. Was it 2000, like 99, 2000, it really got humongous and the industry started getting a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. And then probably around like between 06 and 08, it just kind of collapsed on itself. Mm-hmm. And now it's like on, it's starting to build itself up again. And yeah, like 10 years from now, it's going to be really interesting to like look back and look at all the stuff and be like, oh, that's how people viewed it. Oh, I see. Versus being in it and being like, I'm so confused. I don't know what people are doing. Right, right. As you started to finish up high school, like, was did you have a sense of the fact that you wanted to try to make it as a quote unquote pro, or is it one of those things where you were just that was just a byproduct of you skating? Like, you know, what was what was your career path, son? <laughs> <laughs> I had no desire. I mean. It would have been cool. I thought I never, it never ran through my head though. Like it was more so like, we're going to go skating every day. And I mean, to be honest, like all through high school, I, I don't think I'm good at skating by any means, but I, I sucked like not good. And then it was like one day I remember like going to like a seven stair and being like, I'm being such a pussy about this. Like I should just go for it. And it would have, I would have been like my senior year of high school, really, where things started just like falling into place a little bit more. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, the local shoe company, or not local, the rep came through and he gave me some shoes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, like I got free shoes. And then the shop hooked me up in town and it was kind of one of those like, oh, this is cool. Right. And then I got in a different shoe company where my buddy's running it and giving me way more shoes. And I was like, oh, this is, this is really cool. I don't want to pay for this shit anymore. 
and then him getting me on a local board company and getting free skateboards was like the coolest thing ever being that I was like burning through like so many. Right. And then after that, it was kind of like, all right, I'm filming for this stuff. I'm doing it. I moved to Denver. <clears throat> and then it was kind of my, I started working at the Woodward skate park in Denver mm-hmm. and it would have, I would have been 20 years old, 21. Mm-hmm. And or, or actually, I would have been 20. And then my boss telling me, Hey man, like you should try to go, you should try to do something bigger. And I wasn't really thinking about it too much mm-hmm. because I was still like, I was really happy. Like it was local, it was fun, doing whatever. I was traveling around Colorado and like the West in general. And then I figured, you know, fuck it. I don't care. Like I've been denied and like failed my whole life. Like I'll send out a tape to my favorite board company. That's no big deal. And I got a call a week later and I was like, wow. All right. Well, guess I'm doing this right now. It's kind of a shit or get off the pot sort of moment. So just, just out of my own curiosity, like when you're, when you're submitting yourself to these companies, like it's essentially like you're just sending like a, a package with like a sort of a, a demo reel of what it is that you do, like your own video that you've produced. Essentially, yeah. Basically, what it is, it's it's like yeah. So with the band wise, like you record your band and then you send it to a record label. Yeah. Like this, what you do is you film skating, and skating takes like to make a solid video part. It takes a bit of time, like. It's, it's rad in the 90s because people go, could go out in a day and make like a demo tape or can make a uh, sponsor tape. Mm-hmm. Now it takes like months, years like to make something solid. Wow. And that's what I started filming and it was basically a couple of years worth of filming and I was kind of like, all right, so I have the, all this footage I'm sitting on. I had a, a part in like a local video and I was kind of like, all right, well, I have this stuff and I've been filming a ton more. I started to shoot photos. All right, well, here's my best stuff from that video and then all the new stuff I've been filming. And it's kind of like pick and choosing. And yeah, it takes a lot of time. And that's basically all you do. Yeah, you make a just a video of yourself and you send it to someone. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, make, it makes sense. It's just, I mean, it's exactly like, obviously, kind of like you like you equated it where it's like getting signed to a record label. Mm-hmm. And like getting your, getting your, first, getting your first deal. And so uh, is the biggest sponsor that you have currently and like the one that you are, are well, maybe not most stoked about, but the, the most notable, is that Vision? Yeah, I'd say so. Vision, they, uh, I'm stoked that they're getting going again because they kind of like fizzled out there for a little bit. And I was always like involved with them, mm-hmm. but uh, I got shoots from them when I was living in Colorado and then they really didn't have a budget. And yeah, but then they hit me up randomly a couple of years ago and they're like, hey, we have a budget again. We're building up our team, like we're building up the company again. And they sent me some shoes and it was really cool. And now it's going strong. Like they definitely have been working their butts off. I'd say those guys, um, Assault Skateboards, the people are giving me skateboards, that company's been around since 1989. Amazing. Yeah. And the only reason why I was like, I remember seeing some random old ads and back issues of skateboard magazines at the shop. I used to uh, ride for in uh, Fort Collins. And I remember seeing, yeah, there's a guy, his name's Ricky Windsor. And he's like, old school skateboard legends. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with a guy like Dwayne Peters. Of course. Or yeah, like Dwayne Peters and Bill Dan he's like that level, that caliber. Wow. Doing just rad fucking layback grinds and like skating like a million miles an hour. And I remember like equating that with everything, like relating those two with him. And then after this other company I wrote for got kicked off, Ned hit me up on Assault. And then I remember just being like, wow, that's like a kind of like an older, but like a bigger deal company to me. And it was, it was cool. Yeah. And then, I also ride for Gullwing Trucks, which kind of circled out there for a bit, but now it's back. Mm-hmm. And uh, the team manager is my buddy Andrew. He's actually a professional downhiller. Okay. And 
to have your buddy like be a team manager is pretty sweet as well. Yeah, no, that's that sounds cool. I mean, it's it's very much like the independent music culture where it's just like you know friends of friends hook you up, and then obviously you know you get introduced to this person. It's just a matter of networking, just like any other profession, except obviously it's on a much you know more bro to bro level. Absolutely, exactly. It's, it's you gotta like it's like schmoozing in a way, but yeah, you get connections, you start to talk to people, yeah. Like you said, you don't go out on the road as much anymore, but when you would go out on the road, you would just basically pull up to a town and kind of like do a demo at your local skate park, right? That's kind of like what a what a tour would consist of, unless they're putting together like a video, right? Yeah, basically, the I don't do that with Assault. With Assault, I generally go out to California, and I go out and stay out there for between three days and like a week and a half, and I just go out there and film street stuff. Oh, okay. But, but what I was doing before was we were pulling up into a town, doing a demo, like signing autographs, doing all that stuff afterwards, and then we'd be out. And yeah, it was really fun. But yeah, when you go on the road for a month at a time, like it definitely, as we were saying earlier, then once those are off. But this is like right now we're working on an assault video for the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. And actually, what this week I was talking to them, I have a new graphic coming out for assault, and he wants me to make a commercial for it. But I've been like filming a ton lately because in Chicago it's finally getting nice outside. Right. So I've been out like filming a bunch, shooting photos, and hopefully, yeah, I'm going to go probably handle a photo today for some sort of ad, and then, yeah, go filming here the rest of the week, but that's kind of what I'm doing now with it. Nice, nice. Have you ever, you know, gone on the road with a band or anything like that? Would you be able to equate those two? Like, you know, is is the same feeling of... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is the same feeling of, like, rolling around with, you know, your demo team similar to what it is like to travel with the band? Yeah, basically it's like like you're going to a place at night. People are stoked to see you. So basically, you have 30 days, and every night someone wants to have a party at their house for you. <laughs> right. So you're in town for one fucking day, and everyone's psyched out of their mind that you went and skated for them, relating to a band. Like people are stoked that your band came through. You just played super well. They want to hang out with you and like party and stay up till four in the morning and have it be a super memorable night. I mean, it's awesome. It's super fun. That's that's the skateboarding towards every night is a fucking party, and I feel. In punk rock and hardcore, there's a lot more straight edge kids out there, and you don't have to really boost to it. Like I'm, I'm not straight edge. Like I drink, and mm-hmm. uh, I definitely, yeah, I like drinking beer and stuff. But sure. man, it's very similar. Where you're passing on the floors, and <laughs> you're kind of. I mean, yeah, every night it's fun, but you get to the point that sometimes you're like, dude, I've been up like I've been up for the last bunch of like three days. I need to like lie down and like burrow away in a hole somewhere for like <laughs> sure. a couple of hours. But everyone's so stoked, and it's like. You want to be cool about it, but yeah, it's very, I think I feel it's very similar. I was talking with, a uh, yeah, Jeff the other day, very mm-hmm. similar story. And then, uh, my buddy Joey, he was, uh, the drummer in that band Noose and he plays in a band called Boilerman now in Broken Prayer. Okay. We have a lot of real similar stories. Like it's pretty wild. Yeah. That's, that's always been the prevailing theme from anybody. Like it, to me, it's always strange when it's like you, you see skaters and they just come from a different world entirely in the sense of like they've never been exposed like you know music may have been a somewhat important part of their life but they've just gotten into skating through you know videos or something like that because i just feel like yeah absolutely i just feel like music is such a part of skate culture that it's like 
so do you, do you see a lot of kids that you know don't come from a sort of music background that just kind of get into it um or do you find yeah. or, or, or do you find it being the opposite where there are a ton of kids that are involved with music that have just discovered skating through that i feel like there's a lot of kids, especially going to Southern California, there's kids that just start skating because that's what you do. In Colorado, people play football, people do disc golf, people kind of get into it. And I remember the first time going to California, and when I was skating when I was a kid, I mean, during the 90s, like, it must have been so rough being in Colorado, Wyoming, and all that stuff, being a skateboarder out there. But, yeah, in California, I feel that so many people are like, oh, yeah, I know, it's nice, but we're going to go skating today, and that's kind of what they were doing versus... Me, like, like an aggravated kid, I got into punk, got into skating, and all that sort of stuff. And I definitely found that much more prevalent out there. Chicago is a really, like, skateboard, music-oriented scene. Mm-hmm. Like, the kids here listen to music. Like, they go to shows, they skateboard. Like, that feel that it's, like, from my upbringing, I can relate to a lot of the kids here. Right. And yeah. so, as you were making your journey within you know, the, the, the skate culture and obviously graduating high school and all that type of stuff. How does that sit with your parents now? Like, do they understand what you're doing or do they still think you're just this complete miserable failure from, <laughs> from their, from their, you're not being a cop perspective? You know, it, it was pretty much like two years ago that they really like turned around on it. Like it definitely things got rough with my parents there for a hot minute where they're like, what, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Like, you're never at home. You're just, like on the road all the time. You have no money. Like, what are you doing? And yeah, they were very concerned with me for a bit. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in, yeah, I'm in Chicago, like super mellow job. It's cool. I mean, I'm still doing like skating stuff. I'll never stop skating, but I mean, I, I feel that I'm way more successful now skateboarding than I ever was. when I was like touring all the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was kind of one of those moments where I think my mom, she got kind of drunk one night and she's like, you know what? You're just fine. Like, we were worried about you, but you knew what you were doing the whole time. And, I mean, I didn't really, but I knew the direction I was going. I knew what I wanted, what made me happy. Yeah, no, they've definitely turned around. It's awesome. It's killer. It's like, when that happened, I was like, not that I needed acceptance by any means, but it was just to have that sort of support back was pretty neat. You want them in your corner because obviously they've helped you out so much. So you're just like, I just want you to understand what it is that I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Like somewhat, just just a little bit. Like that would be so nice. <laughs> totally, totally. Like anybody that's ever involved in any subculture stuff, playing bands, skating, whatever. It's like you're always going to be known as that person within the family. Yeah. Oh God. A- yeah. A- any any holiday, any Christmas, Thanksgiving, whatever. Like you'll always be known. Like, oh, Greg, how's that little skating thing doing for you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, you still ride that thing? Oh, wow. Yeah, no, you're getting older. Yeah. There's a little Jimmy up the street. He's nine years old. He's skateboarding. Oh, thanks. Okay. <laughs> that's, so, that, that's actually so true. I never thought about it from that perspective where it's like, I mean, even more so than, you know, playing in bands where it's just like, yeah, like a fucking eight-year-old kid can do what you do. And it's like, no, like that's don't, no, he can't. <laughs> he's, he's not doing 10 stairs. It's like, it's not the same thing. <laughs> I swear. I'm not trying to learn how to push down the street. I promise. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yo, I can ollie up a curb now. I'm pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I learned how to do that a while ago. It took me a bit. Yeah, I know, I know, no, no. I've actually been doing this for, for over 10 years now. Yep. It's... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's... Oh, boy. <laughs> I know, that's so funny. I never thought about it from the fact that people can look at it and be like, oh, a child can do it. Like, why are you still doing it? 
<laughs> oh my gosh! There's when I, when I was at work the other day, one of the customers came in. I work at uh, Trader Joe's. Okay. And uh, they asked me, "Oh, what are you doing today?" And I was like, "Oh, you know, uh, yeah, you know, I went skateboarding before work and came into work, and now I'm, I'm here." And they're like, "Oh, cool, man! Yeah, no, I used to skate. Oh, dude, my buddy, he's like 25. He's still trying to skateboard." And I was like, "Yeah." two years older than your buddy <laughs> like talking to the wrong guy right now that it's so silly when you oh it's just so funny when people say that you know i mean i mean i know music is the same thing where everyone is just like oh i used to be into punk it's like okay well i am into punk like right yeah like oh i had my aggro stage it's like okay well i started listening to more than the casualties in the end scene and like the virus i got into hardcore because it was more like there's more substance to it and that's something like you won't get if i try to explain it to you which is okay but right but i, I can't I, we don't, yeah we don't we don't have the time to go through this right now <laughs> yeah exactly like this would take so long you have no idea <laughs> yeah this is a pretty hacky question but i just think it's it's something that's obviously so interesting to people that don't skate where it's like what's what's your most brutal injury that you it maybe it doesn't even have to be the most brutal injury, but like the time where you hurt yourself and you're like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like what, 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 mm. what was that? If you, if you have, maybe it's not one thing, but maybe it was just like a certain period of time or it was, you were really low cause you just sprained your ankle and couldn't skate for a minute. But um, yeah, I don't know if you have any, anything that stick out of your mind. That would be right when I started skating. Okay. I learned, I learned how to grind the benches and I don't know if this made me, not want to it, it made me not want to skateboard it's more it's actually i remember it's feeling kind of good okay and i think it's like my first really hard slam mm-hmm. and i learned how to grind these benches and i totally stuck on one of them and it fell straight to my face before school <sighs> like i was in ninth grade i like smashed my face <laughs> right and i was like fuck that sucked <laughs> <laughs> so I was standing up and being like all right I'm all right. Like, that was kind of rough, but whatever. And I came to work, my face was all bloody. And I remember walking in and just having, uh, like, people look at me and be like, dude, you got to go to the bathroom and clean that off. Like, a dry <laughs> blood all over my face. But I remember that sticking out. Um, what, one of the times when I got really hurt that I that actually kind of fucked me up mentally mm-hmm. was um, right when I went out to California um, the first time. I went out there with my buddy Tyler and him and I, like he was riding for a different company. I was riding for a company and it was kind of one of those things where it's like, all right, time to go get gnarly. Like, let's try to fucking do something with this. Mm-hmm. And I remember jumping over this rail. I was trying to do a, a grab over this rail. It was like a 18 or 19 stair handrail and it was like a straight drop. The ground was super rough. I was landing on. Okay. I tried it probably, fuck, like 20 times huh. just getting punished. Like, sticking it every time and just dying and that's i remember just smashing my knees so hard but like the owner of this company was there i was riding for like i was he was like if you get this this will be your first am ad and i was like fuck all right i got this i got this and it was really like yeah i got and i, I never landed i never rode away the ground was so rough mm-hmm. and i remember after that i wasn't really able to skate normal for about like four months, I felt in a in a super like wacky feeling with my body, and my knees felt really fucked up. Mm-hmm. And that's something that was the first realization I had, where I was like, "Man, skateboarding really fucks up your body." Like, yeah, I need to like start doing something differently because this is not working out for me. Like, and like you said too, like mentally, just to get 
the idea that like, okay, I'm still a good skater, even though I didn't pull off this trick, like (laughs) how that sits in your head. And I never really had the idea that I'm a good skateboarder. Mm -hmm. It's more so kind of this attitude of like, I don't know. I think there's a level of self-destruction that goes along with it that I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And, but there's definitely the confidence. That's a huge side of it. Right. And that's, it, it really fucked me up there. Like, that one, I remember I was really trying, like really, really going for it. And when I had gone out there, I was in Colorado, and I feel that I was like figuring skateboarding out and jumping down bigger shit. Like I was understanding that for the first time. Man, it was that, it really, really fucked me up. Yeah, that one, that took a bit for me to come back from. But sure. I mean, a couple months later, I got some photos ran, like things started working out, but that one, that that put me in a whirlwind for a bit there. It's fun for me to hear these stories just because it's like there's so many things that you don't realize that, you know, you have to do. You have to prepare yourself mentally. Like, obviously, you know, you watch a skate video and you're just like, oh, yeah, they're following these dudes around for a day and they're doing stuff. But it's like, there, yeah, some of that's true. But then also at the same time, it's like what you were experiencing where it's just like, OK, like I, if I pull this off, I will get A, B and C. Like this will be a great yeah. a great spot for the video. This could potentially turn into an ad. Like there's so much tied into it. So you got that pressure, and then plus the mental pressure you're putting on yourself when it's like you know you don't pull it off for the first time. Not only are you beating yourself up physically, but mentally too. You're just like, fuck, I could do this, but god damn it, I keep falling. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's really like a hundred. Like I remember it's really a hundred and ten percent going for it and being like. I got this. I don't understand why I can't ride away from it. Yeah. And just charging. Like, the photographer came out there. Like, the guy was filming. And, I mean, I was going for it. I wasn't, like, being like a baby about it. I was really, <laughs> really trying. But, yes. And that was, I think that's another moment that I had where I was kind of like, like, I don't want to, like, I, I, when I do something, I want to do it for myself. And that was one of those moments where I was like, fully like I gotta get this so I can get sponsored oh, that was the first time I ever really experienced that one right and that was I mean after that I remember being like I don't like how that felt like I like doing things for myself yeah that that's a huge lesson to like learn for yourself where if you're able to take something in context of a business perspective and then realize that you're not getting fulfillment out of that but you do get fulfillment out of all the other stuff that you do that's attached to it it's like that's a huge revelation right just like okay well yeah yeah that's it's cool i mean sometimes it takes terrible shit to happen to you in order to learn that so i mean it's it's good you're able to pull that out of it exactly exactly and it's like i mean relating it to punk rock like look at what the explosions record they did they signed with rev oh yeah and i know their last seven inch album went over super poorly and they made like a shitty one and they called it early. I don't think it's shitty, but they call it Steel This. Yep. Like that one, it's like they didn't want to do it, which is, I mean, what's the punkest thing they could do? They name it Steel This. Like, it's yep. pretty fucking rad. Like, yeah, and the band's doing, I think that second Right Brigade record, man, that, that seven inch is so good. Yep. But then you listen to the LP and you're like, what the fuck were they doing on this thing, man? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's so funny. It's it, Yeah, like, it's, there's so much going on between skateboarding and punk rock it's not even funny that's i've always been amazed about that yeah yeah no it's it's cool too because obviously it's still it still perpetuates it still exists and this is still something that um is just as vital as when it was you know when it started in the late 70s early 80s and it's like yeah all it is is just a different form now but at the same time it's still it's it still retains the sort of 
really independent DIY roots that obviously are so meaningful to people like you and me that uh, it just, yeah, it's still, vi- it's still vital. And that's great. Cause that's it's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. It, it, it's so funny to have this discussion right now. It's Cause it's like, I, I usually get like one of extreme, like, I, I get the kind of the extreme world where I'm like, Oh, you're in California. You're probably loving every minute of it. And I was like, not really. Like it was cool. <laughs> it was, I was pushing myself. I had a good time travel a lot, but man, I'm definitely more of a DIY sort of person. Right. And when it doesn't feel DIY, it doesn't feel organic, doesn't feel like something I want to do. Hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, and that just speaks to your personality as well. Um, yeah. And what, one last thing I wanted to, I wanted to pull on just because I thought it was interesting that you brought it up. The idea of confidence, because you know, some people, they watch a video, they watch a skate video, they watch people take huge spills and they're like, how do you get up after that? Like, and how do you, you know, how do people move past that? And then it's like, well, you can equate it to any other sport where it's just like, of course, your team, you know, if you play in a baseball team or a basketball team, like you're going to take devastating losses, but then you just get up and move on. But speak to me more about the, I guess, where you found that sort of confidence just to be like, well, I'm going to try these things and, um, you know, how that relates to you as a person. Yeah, that that's definitely more of a, like, like I said, there's a level of satisfaction with eating shit. Like, I mean, it sucks. Sometimes <laughs> you do and you're like, that really hurt. That sucks. But I mean, when you're able to, like, push your body to that limit of, like, man, I fucking died just there and I'm going to get up and I'm going to try to do the same exact thing again to know that you have the ability to do that is so satisfying that's something I can't even tell you like again eating shit like I said it can suck but you test your limits and I feel that it's so important to do that where like I don't want to live my life being like because everyone's like you're going to be fucked up in the future it's like I mean I may but compared to most people my age I feel that I'm doing pretty goddamn good for myself like I'm one of the only people and my work doesn't complain about back issues every day. I don't complain about like wrist issues. And I've been hard on my body. Mm-hmm. And I definitely, I feel that I try to eat well, I try to stretch, do yoga, all that stuff. But I mean, man, it's, I think it, it is truly important to know your limits, see how far you can push yourself. If you, and I mean, I think that relates to my personality as well, where if I'm into something, I'm going to be into something. Like, yeah, I'm not going to do it half-assed, you know? I know. And with that being said, skateboarding, I'm going to push myself to that, how far I can push myself. Sure. And it's so funny because you, you hear that sentiment or outside of the context of who you are as a person, you could hear that sentiment shared and that could be like attached to like a fucking Mountain Dew commercial. Like, oh yeah, dude, yeah. I want to test my limits and push my limits. And it's like, it's out, it sounds like a cliche, but like, obviously you're not coming from that, like fucking get extreme bro standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> It's so, true. <laughs> yeah, so it's just it, it's just cool to hear. I mean, it's cool to hear that in a non fucking tagline commercial sense, where you're just like, no, this is a reality. Like, yeah, that is used as like I said, as a marketing text or whatever. But there is truth attached to it at the same time because I feel like when you see something that gets put out there so much, it loses its meaning. But then when you yeah. back when you back it up and hear it from a person like yourself, where it's just like, oh no, you're a real human being that experiences this and you like to push yourself and find your limits. Like, Oh, okay. I get it. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And that's always funny. Whenever people are like, I don't know. They, there's definitely a level of, yeah, I always get the question, how do you get back up? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like if you fall over on your bike, are you just going to like sit there and cry? You're going to like take it back up and then start riding again. Like it's that same dynamic. It's just, obviously I'm, I feel that, like you in skateboarding, you put yourself in that place. And I mean, people that actually skateboard and people that I skateboard with, 
they do that every day. I mean, there's so many people out there that are just like about it, like they're going for it. They're trying to push their own limits. And I think that's something that a lot of people, they don't, they don't realize that there are, there are a lot more people out there that are doing this than they're aware of. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel that music is the same way. It's like going to like a fucking killer show and everyone going 110%. Mm-hmm. That's something that a normal person may not understand, but there are there's enough people out there that it can make a killer show. I just went and saw 86 Mentality in a DC a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, that Damage City Fest was great. The whole fest was ran super well, but I mean, during that set, it was just everyone going off. It was just great, super positive energy. And I mean, as like, the real world looks into it, they're like, everyone's smashing each other. But it's like, no, we spent a lot of energy. And like, this is something we're getting out of our system right now, you know? <laughs> you can't explain that to people, but obviously it's meaningful to you. And that's all that really matters. <laughs> exactly. It's all about leaving for yourself or put, put it out there. Have a good time. Get it out of your system. Well, Greg, I am very pleased with this conversation. Thank you for having it with me. <laughs> Well, thank you for wanting to do one for you. killer, man. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So there you go. That was a fun chat that I had with Greg. I did like his perspective on, like, obviously skate culture, how much it's changed, you know, kind of what going pro means and all those other things that, you know, we maybe as fans of skate culture don't really understand and don't see as they're kind of coming up. So I thought that was very fun. Anyways, propertyofzack.com. Visit there. 100wordspodcast.com visit there Tom Richfield is our amazing editor give him a digital high five in any way that you can and then uh, yeah come back next week we will have a very exciting fun episode for you alright I'll talk to you then bye you can quake at the dark.